0: Hey everybody, welcome back to our Who is Grace weekly podcast. My name's John, I'm one of the pastors here at Grace, and we're so glad that you're joining us as we go through the series, Better Together. We're looking at the power of the church gathered. And so we're gonna look at some of the key moments in our recent history at Grace, and then land on a theme that we can talk about with some wider application. It will give us some insight into why we are the way we are, as well as getting some personal biblical life lessons along the way. Today, I'll be talking to Pastor Derek about the decision to simplify. Let's dive into our conversation. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm excited to be back uh, doing our Who Is Grace podcast again, and I'm here with Pastor Derek. Pastor D, you want to say hi? What's up, John? Good to see you. Good to see you, too, man. Yeah. Excited to be doing this again with you. Yeah, it's always fun. So before we dive into this conversation about the decision to simplify, uh, I want to hear what's going on in your life right now. What's been something fun or exciting that's happening recently?
1: Yeah, well, this is. I actually had a very weird experience recently. Had the opportunity to go to Montana, All right. And uh, so there's, it's one of the states in our country that I've never been to before. Yeah. And so uh, it's like this retreat center, and I got invited by our uh, president of our denomination to go with a bunch of pastors from around the country. So there were pastors there from, you know, Southern California and Minnesota and Vermont and Florida and everything in between, Erie, Pennsylvania included. And uh, uh, we were there for four days or so. At this center, twenty-seven million acres uh, of Indian reservation. Whoa! And this property right in the middle of it—you could see as far as your eye could go. Mountains in the background. Oh, you would have loved it. I know you're an yeah. outdoors dude, and Sneak I'm me in your suitcase next time. I am not an outdoors dude, <laughs> and it was still really awesome. for Oh, me. So, good. Yeah, I got to fish. I fly did fly fishing for the first time. Oh my! And. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a fish... I'm a, I am literally have never fished in my life. I mean, wow. maybe as a kid, like, threw a line out in the water and, you know, sat, sat there for a so little bit. So the big
0: question, and I, did you catch anything? I caught some fish. Wow. Yeah, caught All a rainbow right.
1: trout, caught a white trout, caught a brown trout, and... You uh, even knew what you caught. I, I know, yeah. Some probably had to tell you. And I'm hooked, so to speak, on fishing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but the... Uh, had to do it. Yeah. Um, but the... Uh, it, I, I I realized I was trying to explain it to my kid because my family is as shocked as anyone that I had a good time. Yeah. Uh, because they know this isn't really my deal. But um, I said I think there's something about the it it like hits my personality just the right way. This this kind of like fly fishing because there's a physical like you have to be coordinated to to be able to cast properly. Yeah. And I really liked learning that and kind of mastering that. And then there's you know a certain way that you, you know, when the line's in the water and when the fish sets and whatever that you have to chase the fish down and everything so it like hit these like i'm i'm into details and kind of some precision and stuff like that it just hit it hit wow. it just right so and plus the beautiful setting it was really it was really amazing really peaceful did my heart good
0: oh that's so cool man what sh- a great
1: opportunity i shared with somebody today i said it was about the third day where i felt like my my soul woke back up or something mm. like that there was this like whew, it was just really good so. Oh, man. What about you? What's That's been going really on? you been to Montana lately or anything I've like that? I've been to Montana recently.
0: No, but now I'd like to go tomorrow. I that bet you would. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, I think Dave Case would want to go with you, too. He, yes. you know, he's a fly-fishing extraordinaire. So if he's yes. listening, Dave, uh, Derek's hooked yeah, officially. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, uh, family bike rides have been the, the highlight for me recently. Nice. All three of the kids are riding bikes. And so just I just love being outside with them. Riding together, we did uh, Rails to Trails down in Franklin, PA. Uh, that's a great. This thing. past weekend, and just had a had a blast in the sunshine, seen the Allegheny River, loved it. That's loved amazing.
1: It. That's a good day when all when everybody can do the same thing. You know, when the kids are all in in unison like he, that.
0: Yeah, it took a long time yeah. for us to get here. I feel like <laughs> we're we're reaping the rewards of the patience. What's and, your
1: sp- What's your age span? You, so, Braden's
0: ten, okay. Ella's five, Malia's four. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the cool. spread, and Malia. As a four-year-old can shred on that bike, man. Yeah. She can she can zip. That's she awesome. calls it her motorcycle. That's pretty. Fun. Many
1: good days to come.
0: Yeah. So okay, we're we're uh, in June of the ministry year. Uh, what what's going on right now for you uh, that you're thinking about and excited about it, Grace?
1: Yeah, I mean, so you know, we this weekend uh, we had our first uh, kind of masks optional services, and so. That's a, a big day, I think a good day for the most part, kind of letting people decide which way they want to protect themselves, either with their natural immunity or with the, uh, I think we gave enough time for everybody yeah. to, to get the, uh, the shot if they wanted it. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, you know, that's been quite a journey, yes. uh, this whole issue for the past uh, 15 months or so. And um, so hopefully we're on, we're on the right track there. Um, and, you know, there's just a lot going on behind the scenes. Uh, I have weird meetings that I never dreamed of as a pastor that I would be having. So, you know, I think because so much is going on at Grace and we're getting ready for the Grace Leadership Institute to kind of become part of our, you know, family of ministries, if you will. And yeah. So, um, and you, you recently
0: announced the official desired kind of launch of that, right, in, yeah. in the Transform update? Yeah. yeah so we're absolutely. looking ahead
1: to? Well, the official, official launch is in 2022 in that fall, but this fall we're going to be launching some pilot programs, and it's really, yeah, it's really exciting. That's so, so cool. Um, but, you know, I'm having meetings now with lawyers and accountants and things like that to just try to figure out how do we, how, how, how does a church kind of incorporate those kind of new things into your existing structure and all that stuff. So yeah. It's been pretty wild, eye opening and expanding and all that.
0: Every so. time I hear you talk about it, I just see this passion come yeah, out man. of you oh. of of raising up you know leaders, disciple makers, you know within our city and around our region uh, through that and it's it's exciting to see that we're taking steps closer to it every day.
1: Yeah, I just can't wait. I mean, I, and it's like, you know, I was with all these pastors and been talking and it's just like any everybody who hears it when we when we start talking about it, is just like drawn to the concept. I just I just really believe God is gonna raise up people from this tri state area, um, into ministry and to doing great things in their existing church and organization, feeling trained and empowered and equipped to, to do their thing. And and on top of it, to be able to have, you know, undergrad and masters degrees and all that kind of stuff. So that's amazing. Yeah. What about you? What's what's going on at Grace for you? Uh, site pastor in Harbor Creek, and you got a lot going on from a Central Side, too. What's happening?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, seeing new faces back every Sunday is always a thrill, right? Like every yeah. Sunday, there's another individual or family coming back to church in person, and that's just exhilarating for me just to be gathered together. Like we're talking about this series, right? Better together. I'm just feeling the joy of that right now. So that's really exciting. Um, We're rebuilding teams, you know, as there's people who uh, stepped off of a team or stepping back into a team, stepping back into a different team, just ministry teams right now um, is, is definitely a focus and an exciting part. Uh, we um, will be reopening our elementary room for Grace Kids at 10 o'clock this coming Sunday. Oh, that's good. If I I have my release date of this podcast correct. Uh, So on June 13th. So we're just really excited to be able to welcome our elementary students back to a Grace Kids environment. So big shout out to all our volunteers and leaders who are making that happen. You guys are amazing. So that's exciting. And then we're we're ministry planning. It's that time of year. We're looking ahead to, uh, to this September through next August, 2022, dreaming about... Um, what God wants to do to make and be fully devoted followers to our ministries. So that's pretty that's pretty exciting stuff.
1: Love it. Yeah, love it. That's great. Well, I know we want to talk some history and uh, get to some key uh, moments of Grace's history. We just thought it you know I th- we thought it'd be cool to to introduce people to some, you know moments along the way. I know as Grace has grown and gotten more complex, like we've got new people coming all the time, some of whom don't really know where we've come from, right? And uh, so we just thought it would be cool to kind of focus in on a a topic or a theme that has been important to us in our history, and then broaden that out a a little bit, um, you know, to to have a personal application as well.
0: Love that, love that. It's been neat being a member of Grace, and then a volunteer, and then leader at Grace, and then join staff at Grace, and get to hear some of these stories that people get to hear this month through this podcast, and how that's shaped who we are as a church, how God has used those things. So today I'm really excited to talk about the decision to simplify, a hard and yet fruitful one. Um, Tell us a little bit about how that decision to simplify came about and some of the uh, impact it's had since.
1: Yeah, it's good. So for those who don't know, I mean Grace, you know, we we like to say Grace is a really old church, but we don't act our age. Uh, so we, you know, it started in 1895, 19 Swedish immigrants on the corner of 7th and Holland in downtown Erie that had immigrated here, which is you know, where what is where the Grace Leadership Institute is. Yeah. So cool. Really cool. So they built that building that we now re, you know, we we, we own again uh in 1906. And so through many iterations, Grace has, has grown and expanded and eventually came to the suburbs, eventually went to multi-site, all that kind of stuff. But back, so I, I came here in 1995. So I've been around a long time, 26 years. Um, and so it's, it's interesting for me to look back and kind of being the old guy on staff, um, you know, because most of you guys have been here well since then, right, and uh, to kind of remember these things. And so there was a time pretty early on in my tenure in the late 90s, early 2000s, when we did make this decision to simplify and um, decided that, that we wanted to do fewer things, but to do them better. And uh, it's kind of a weird, counterintuitive idea that as a church grows, it needs to get simpler and not more complex, because a lot of people think, well, as the church grows, it needs to, you know, have a zillion more ministries and idea programs and all this stuff. And it's actually the opposite. It's actually as it grows, you need to very intentionally become more simple. And we didn't know that necessarily. And and plus, the gravitational pull, I think, of any church is usually toward over programming. Right. And and what happens is then there's years and years of creating. New things and never subtracting because we often don't want to hurt people's feelings or mm-hmm. you know or offend anybody or whatever. And um, it's dangerous, I think, for a church and 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 for individuals to confuse activity with results mm-hmm. um, because we can be doing a lot of activity, but in the end, not making disciples, right? Which is what what we're called to do. And yeah. so um, That's good. Uh, we made the decision to do less better, and uh, I, I think back just in my tenure of all the programs that we don't do anymore. So we used to do Wednesday night services. We used to do Wednesday night meals. We used to do Sunday night services. We used to do Sunday school. We had a big women's ministry, big men's ministry, all kind of retreats, Bible studies, Christmas pageants, vacation Bible school, like the the menu was full, Um but I remember hearing this, this phrase that, that someone said that too many choices is paralyzing for mm. people. Yeah. And so like if you go to a restaurant and get a 10-page menu, that it takes you a long time to decide. And then you get down to five things you want, maybe three. And it's just kind of this paralyzing uh, feeling. And um, so we began to eliminate those programs, again, as you alluded to, with a lot of pain mm-hmm. and a lot of difficulty, because a lot of these things were important to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but we knew from kind of the bigger scale of things that it's important to be really clear, with, especially with people coming in. Um, and, and one of the big shifts was to think steps and not programs. Yeah. And so this idea that you know we don't want to just offer a bunch of disconnected programs, but like think through a person's visit with us and go, what are the steps that that somebody needs to take to move them toward discipleship, toward likeness. And uh, so that was that was very big. And I think you know looking back, it's not surprising that that most people weren't moving beyond a weekend worship service because we weren't really clear about what the next step was and so you know if somebody comes to grace today you'll hear this for, you know what's your next step next step next step next step well that's very intentional because that came out of this we need to be simpler and not more complex and then we can think what's the next step of any event what's the next step that that person needs to take that's going to get them toward discipleship
0: I love it I love it it is it's it's a challenging thing to lead people through that when it, there's a process of letting go of things that, like you said, are important to people. But when they start to see the people they're in community with and care about go along that pathway, take those steps, not those programs, not be involved in five different programs, but take the core class and really understand their spiritual gifts and then join a life group and build life-changing relationships and really understand how to read God's Word for the first time in community and then find a ministry to serve on and watch God use them that way. Like, here are these clear steps that we're going to go all in on yep. as a church so that people have the best shot of really following Jesus well. And so I I'm a product it. of it. Yeah. I came here and and you know even though I had a discipleship foundation from the church I grew up in and from my college experience I was discipled well at Grace because of the the steps yeah. that I was invited into when I got here.
1: And it's not always linear. I mean I think that's people get tripped up on that and go, "Well, it doesn't, you know, I didn't go that exact it's we're just putting out kind of what's the what what makes sense. Yeah, knowing that people are going to come in at different stages or different, have different needs or whatever. But I just talked again with somebody who, you know, came to Christ at a Christmas at the Warner, you know, many years ago, got connected, and it was just like they walked through those steps, and it it made sense to them because we were always saying here's the here's the next thing to do, and eventually then that that person's ready to. Live the Christian life, but it's almost like we have to help them early on in their development. But again, if we had a hundred thing, if we had a menu of a hundred programs, mm-hmm. and just that person came to Christ at Christmas to the Warner, and we slid them that that program and said, "Choose any of these things," none of which really leads to anything else. It's kind of an end in itself. Um, it's just not as an effective way to get people moving toward being like Jesus.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great, and I think it's really helpful for people both who have walked that journey to appreciate. The intentionality behind that, how God led us to simplify as a church, and okay, wow, I'm a product of that, yeah. right? And those who are, are newer to grace right now, this this makes it sense why we're we're yeah. so um, adamant about some of the steps that we've the, the few steps that we have chosen because we see their their uh, potential to transform us to be more like Jesus. That's right? That's great. Yeah. Okay. So so the whole uh, well the. Part of the cool part of this conversation isn't just how this has shaped us as a church, but how these same principles uh, apply to our personal lives. Yeah. So, talk about this decision to simplify when it comes to someone's personal life. What, how do you do that? And what impact does that have?
1: Yeah. So, I think when you, when you, I want to talk specifically about schedule and commitments, which is something we all struggle with. I'm looking across the thing at you, knowing that we both uh, can struggle with this from time to time of just going, man, this is hard. And I I think it's interesting that even in our modern time, like when you ask somebody, how are you right now, that it's almost cool. It's almost a badge of honor for somebody to say, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm really tired. I'm overwhelmed. I'm anxious, whatever. It just, because like, there's this there's this thing that says it's, well, if you're not busy, you must not be doing it right kind of thing. And for the Christian, I think that exhaustion is the enemy of our faith. Exhaustion mm-hmm. is not some badge of honor. Um, and as John Ortberg once said, it's impossible to live the Christian life in a hurry.
0: Wow.
1: Um, you can't love in a hurry. Like all the things that were important to Jesus, you can't love in a hurry. You can't be with God in a hurry. You can't listen to a child in a hurry. Um, And so there's this idea of like, we have to get control of this thing that is making us live out of control. And I think one of the answers is to simplify. So, similar to that step that we took as a church, I think individuals need to go, How am I too cluttered? How is my life too cluttered up? And I think one of the things, and I'd be curious to hear your answer to this, I think one of the things that's important for people to do is to say, Am I exhibiting some of the warning signs, some of the red flags of being exhausted? Or being overwhelmed, or being too cluttered in my life, and I yeah. think there are some common uh, behavioral red flags. Um, I know for me, I I like stress eat. That's my thing. Like when I start doing, it, I'm like, okay, something's. Uh, I mean, do you have a do you have a red flag? Like when you're overwhelmed, is there something, some behavior that you turn to?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I, yes. I think there's behaviors I turn to. I'm thinking more of like how I interact with my kids. Yeah, is where it shows up. Mm-hmm. To me, first is, is a lower desire to just yeah. be with them and enjoy time with them, and I'm more irritable, I'm quicker to lose my temper. Yep. and it's like, oh wait a second, w- why? Yeah, right. Like why? You know, why is this happening? That's usually a warning sign yeah. for me.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm the same way. And it, uh, often, for me, uh, that irritability shows up as distancing. So I'm I'm pulling back, mm-hmm. I'm disengaging, I'm in my phone when I should be with them. I y-
0: there we go, yeah. checking my. As you said that, I'm checking yeah. my phone more yeah. compulsively. When I feel more stressed or overwhelmed or exhausted, yeah, just as a escape from those feelings, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yep. good.
1: So I, I mean, I, I've always pointed to there's three warning signs. I think that that you're living an exhausted life. One is irritability. You mentioned, um, I think that's the number one thing. That there's these, you know, when small things happen, they cause this disre- disproportionate reaction in mm-hmm. us. Like, whoa, I shouldn't have flown off the handle that much for that thing. Um, kind of, kind of deal. Um, I think a loss of impulse control. So people, you know, you, for me, overeating, overspending, you know, some people try to feel good in a different way over medicating, you know, whatever that looks like. And then escapism. So people turn to alcohol, porn affairs, escape into a movie or, you know, a novel or TV series or something like that. Um, and, and I think when these red flags exhibit themselves, it's a it's a chance for us to, to simplify our lives, because I think that's part of the answer. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to me that when people describe their too busy life or their exhausted life, they make it sound like it, it's... Overscheduling scheduling is something that's happening to them, mm-hmm. and 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 forgetting that they have a choice. Like yeah. so, part of it. You know, well, it's my boss's fault, or it's my family's fault, or my coach's fault, or my teacher's fault, or whatever it is. And it's like, no, no, you you are the boss of your schedule. You get to decide. And so, I think there's real two real keys to controlling your calendar that I just want to leave with folks today uh, that are listening to this who may need to make the decision to simplify. One is to recognize the power that your calendar has on the person you're becoming.
0: Wow.
1: So I heard this phrase one time that says, the thoughtful and prayerful arrangement of your calendar is one of the holiest things that you can do. Yeah. So this idea that my calendar isn't just something out there that's happening to me, that that I can arrange it in such a way that it's going to make me into something down there. And I think of this passage in Psalm 90, uh, Ten that says, and as for the days of your life, they contain seventy years, or if in due strength, eighty years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow; for soon it is gone, and we fly away. And then the conclusion is: so teach us to number our days, that we may we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so there's this idea that like we can put a number on our days and think about them. And when we think that they're numbered, when we realize that this is a resource that's running out, yeah. um, we, be, we can be much more intentional about them um, because the, where the rubber meets the road in our lives is where, how we spend our moments day-to-day. How do we spend our moments? Um, and so your calendar, my calendar, really does in some ways determine... The, the course of your life. And so what you choose to do today is shaping your future and uh, properly numbering your days by ca- carefully crafting your schedule can help you to write a whole new script for your life. So that's the thing. If people are like stuck in a rut, mm-hmm. um, there's this opportunity to go, I can write a different story here. But it doesn't start with that end thing way out there. It starts with, what am I doing today? How am I arranging my life today? Because that's really going to determine what happens out there. And so I think the key shift is to ask a different question. Instead of asking the question, what do I need to get done? Ask the question, who do I want to become? Wow. Um, Because that's really what we're doing when we put a, a weekly schedule together. Um, so anyway, I think that's that's the first key to controlling your calendar is to recognize the power your calendar has on the person that you're becoming. That's great.
0: Can we pause on that for a second? Yeah, pause. So you and I spent some time together a few years ago going yeah. through a, a little um, book yeah. training thing, a few videos about um,
1: kind of... Kind yeah, of time management. Or, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And, and this idea of like, if you... Set up your calendar to to set you up to become the person you want to become, and to be the person you want to be. You're going to just you're just gonna be a happier yeah. human, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> like you and you 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 have more control over that than you you think. Yes. And that was one of the biggest takeaways for me. Is like, oh wow, you know, I my first thought is this is out of my control, but I really do have control over it. What is something that you what's a, what's a decision you've made for the way you're you're you can go back yeah. you know in yeah, the past yeah. or recent whatever what's something that you put in your calendar intentionally that has like helped you become who you want to become yeah and then i'd love to also hear like what's something you've had to take out of your calendar that was a painful thing to like say i'm not going to do that anymore yeah
1: yeah so i know that you know for me if you've been around grace for any amount of, uh, any amount of time You'll know that I, you know, struggling with my health and fitness and weight is, has been an ongoing thing. So, for me, you know, I got a I got a new treadmill at Christmas time, and putting in that like, health, my health is one of the top most important things to me, and putting that into my calendar and going, I need to spend at least thirty to forty minutes a day on that machine. Yeah. Um, has been very life giving, wow. and it doesn't always pay off. It doesn't always feel good. I don't always want to do it, but I know that over the course of time, that habit is going to pay off.
0: It's helping you become who I want to become. Who you want to become? Yes. Which, like, take that one step further. Right. This is where this is where the, I need the inspiration. Yeah. And I think some people listening might, who is that person that you, you want to become? That that thirty to forty minutes on the treadmill is moving you towards. Yeah. And
1: to me, it's it's the. The, the healthy version of me that's yeah. got a few more years longer of life to spend with my family and my grandkids when that day comes. And and not just to like be there like a bump on a log, but to be engaged and to be rolling around on the ground with them and to toss them up in the air and all that yeah. kind of stuff that if I'm not healthy, I'm not going to be able to do that stuff. So, so to great. me, that's the payoff is like, I want to be that guy. yep And I know that in order to be that guy, I need to start doing some of this stuff now. That's great. Yeah. And you know, I would say that the thing, the the thing to take out of the sacrificial part of it for me, you know, you and I have had this conversation for a number of years. When I took my sabbatical a bunch of years back, one of the things that I came out of that with was the uh, the commitment, really, to take a weekly Sabbath, yeah, a weekly twenty-four hours, and it, that always feels like a sacrifice. Yes, every single week that feels like there are a hundred other things I should be doing, mm-hmm. and um, that twenty-four hour period. Uh, is life? I, if if I have it, I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better pastor. I'm a better boss. I'm be- all the stuff. Friend. If I don't have it, I'm a worse one of all those things. Yeah, there's a, you know there's a real evident correlation. Yeah, totally. So to me, that that's an example. Of something I've added. Something I've subtracted. Yeah. That I think has, you know, fed this who who I want to become. And that's the great. Sabbath one to me that the person that that contributes to is a person who loves Jesus, Mm. because really part of my Sabbath is reconnecting with God, that that even if the week has been a struggle, I know that at the end awaits me a God who just is going to put his arms around me and go, guess what? You're not first and foremost a worker. You're first and foremost my child. And it's this weekly reminder that all that stuff is fine, but that's not who I am. Yes. And um, so, yeah, that's that's a biggie for me.
0: That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I think it's really helpful for, yes. for us. And it's inspiring when you hear about people who've made some of these decisions that you're encouraging us to consider yeah. and the fruit that that comes from that. Yeah. You
1: said there was two
0: things. There's so two. i interrupted you. What's your that's second?
1: That's right. second one is uh, plan around your priorities. So the first time I said, you know, recognize the power your calendar has on the person you're becoming. The second thing is planning around your priorities. And so... You know I think most people, if we're honest, we we grab our calendars and we start plugging in all the appointments and where I need to be and when, and how do I avoid, you know losing my job? <laughs> how do I do all the stuff I need to do to keep my job and to not be a terrible parent and pick up my kids at the soccer field? And you know all that. so we put all the the stuff in there. And then after we put all the stuff in there and account for the stuff that you know we would be in trouble if we forgot to do. Then we squeeze in the next most urgent to do items, Um, and then with any luck, at the end of all that, there's still a little bit of room to sleep and maybe have a couple of meals, (laughs) maybe talk to you know, maybe take a shower, talk to my wife for a minute or whatever. And at the end of a good day, most people would say, you know, I've I've made all those appointments happen, I've you know crossed everything off my to do list, and I fall into bed at the end of it and say, you know, God help me pull this off again tomorrow. which what I just described is a picture of, of scheduling around your demands rather than scheduling around your priorities. And I think there's a better way. Yeah. And the better way is that if we didn't just let all the urgent stuff drive our schedules, but instead we let our priorities lead the way and just decide up front, what are my values? And, and even that first thing, who is the person I'm trying to become put those in first and then fill in stuff around that. And, um, you know, I think for me, when I look at that list, I always come back to the same four or five things. And again, it, it shifts around a little bit in seasons of life, but you know, know and love God, number one. And if, if we're going to say, I love God, and there's no time for God in your schedule, you don't love God.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know
1: what I mean? It, it kind of comes down to that of like, if this is a priority, it needs to be a priority in my schedule. So know and love God is first. Um, second is to, to have a strong and lasting marriage for me. That's the second priority. Have a great family. It's my third priority. Do excellent and world-changing work um, is my fourth. And then stay healthy and physically fit is, again, I, as I said, that's, that's been a struggle. But mm-hmm. right now, that's, that's kind of in my top five that I really need to. I just turned 50 this year, and it's like, hey, baby, it's time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but if I don't know my priorities, I'm probably not going to arrange my life right. Mm. you know, when it comes down to just getting the right stuff in there. So, so it's
0: literally writing them, putting words to them. Because you didn't just say God, marriage, family. You, you wrote yeah. it in a way that's like yeah. reminds you of what kind of that's right relationship with God, what kind of relationship with your wife and your kids. And I, th- I think that's helpful too. To,
1: yeah. I think we do. I think we have to put that texture to the words because I think it, it helps to remind us what we're really after. And um, so I I don't know, I just I just feel like, you know, as I look back on our history and go, man, deciding to simplify our ministry was a big moment for us. And it really changed the course of who we are. And the Grace Church that people experience today was really informed by that decision. Um, But in the same way, I think people can make that decision for themselves and go, you know, I want to become this kind of person, and in order to do that, I'm going to have to simplify my life right now. It's just going to serve you so well in the long run. That's awesome.
0: That's good, man. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for giving us the the context of both the the church history and some of your personal experience with this. It's cool to see you living out the stuff that you're encouraging us to think about. Thanks, man. So yeah, great to have this conversation with you. Hey, join us next time, uh, next week on the the podcast, same time. uh, We'll be talking about a different theme from the history of grace and a different way that that applies to your life. And we'd love for you to join us because we are better together. Have a great day.